Chapter 11 Service Dog The sky was a crystalline shade of blue, the kind that makes your eyes hurt and makes you happy to be human. Jack and Luke were indeed happy to be human as they stood on the tarmac eyeing their Citation jet and petting Bosco, who was happy to be going on a road trip to the Bahamas with them. Their meeting with Shiv had been intense. Shiv always used to use that word after a good meditation session. However, now it had new meaning. Something about sitting with Shiv, telling him the whole truth and not having him question them, hell, not even having him look surprised, was a weight off their shoulders and improved their disposition immensely. Shiv was nuts, crazy, you name it, but he was also right all the fucking time. Sure, they had heard it all before. Meditate, meditate, meditate. However, now, as they stood waiting to board their plane, completely out of each other's head for the moment, they appreciated his crazy, sarong-wearing ass even more. Something had clicked, fell into place, rather, after their session. They could still barge in on each other's thoughts. However, there was at least, with a little work, a way to control their connection and not be Siamese twins connected by their thoughts all the time. Luke broke the silence. On a scale of one to ten, how pissed is mom going to be that we split, he asked. I told Jack, dad replied. That's a non-answer, Luke said casually, tying his hair in a bun. It's mom. She'll flip out and be okay. Same old stuff, Jack said. Plus, Dad totally agreed we need to get out and enjoy ourselves. Dad's going to get his ass kicked, but I'm willing to live with that, Luke smiled, cocking his eyebrow at his brother. Luke continued, I'm a little surprised you agreed to go, but got to admit, big brother, I'm glad you did. I'm thinking we need to blow off some steam, Luke finished. Jack put his hands up in protest. Whoa, big boy. This is a trip for me to relax. I don't want to end up throwing up somewhere, drunk as shit, trying to keep up with you. I'm chilling out. You got it? Jack said. Oh, yeah, I got it, Luke said with a smirk. Ten minutes later, they boarded the jet and were putting their duffel bags up when Jack's phone rang. It's Rhodes, Jack thought to Luke. Don't fucking answer. He's been dark for a month, and now he calls when we got plans, Luke replied and thought. Jack rolled his eyes at his brother and answered the phone. He sat and listened for a moment. Baltimore? Jack finally asked, as he waved off Luke to keep him from interrupting. Timing's not good. We're on our way to the Bahamas. You actually just caught us during pre-flight chat. Jack listened intently to Rhodes on the other end of the phone nodding and shaking his head, Luke in the background repeating the mantra, Fuck him, ohm, fuck him, ohm. After five minutes, Jack shrugged and said, Okay, then hung up the phone. Luke plopped down on the heavily padded seat and blew out a deep breath. So what? How did you fuck it up? What did you say yes to? It's going to ruin my perfectly planned weekend, Luke asked. Rhodes said he needed to talk, Jack tried, but Luke cut him off. All of a sudden, he needs to talk? Where the hell has he been anyway? We put everything on hold, came down here from Vegas, and have been staying with our parents like a couple of fifth graders, 
putting our employees up in our condo because he told us to lay low. Then he disappears. Luke ran out of breath from his tirade. Calm down, Jack said. He said there's been a development. He said that he couldn't talk on an unsecured line, but it was important. It sounded real. I told him we'd come over tomorrow, Jack replied. Luke looked deflated. He'd worked hard to get Jack to even say yes to the Bahamas excursion, and now his plan for a week-long chill session was screwed. Getting Jack out of Florida for a while was the only way he knew to get him out of his funk and have a little fun. It figured Rhodes would crawl out of the woodwork now to put a stick in his spokes at the last minute. Whatever, let's just at least have a little fun today, right? Luke said, raising his eyebrows at his brother. Fine, yeah, a little fun for sure, Jack said, smiling. Luke's phone rang. The caller ID displayed Quan's number, and he weighed his options for not answering it. He finally gave in. Jack could hear Quan on the other end of the phone, talking louder and faster than normal, and saw Luke's eyes widen as Quan told him about spotting Beth and Serena. Luke finally cut him off. Great job, man. I mean it. Call Eamon and get your asses to Baltimore by noon tomorrow. Rhodes called, and we're supposed to meet him there. This ought to be interesting, Luke said. Luke hung up the phone as the plane accelerated down the runway. He looked at his brother and shook his head. You are not going to believe this shit, he shouted over the engine noise. Rhodes sat in the back of the way-too-nice Jeep, headed back to the airport, pissed off and staring out the window. He had just finished his call with Jack and gotten him and his brother to agree to meet in Baltimore the next day. His Atlanta operation had turned into a spectacular fuck-up based on his miscalculation of Beth Colby, and he needed to read Jack and Luke in on what had happened to Gomes. If everything he suspected was true, and he now felt more sure of it than ever, the Glasser brothers would be squarely in the organization's sights, or at least Beth Colby's. This time it would be likely more than just a shakedown for some silly-ass financial algorithm. His satellite phone rang and he answered it quickly, asking his secretary to repeat several phrases as he jotted down the encoded message from Serena Green. It took him a few moments to decipher it. We got an unplanned stop, Rhodes told one of his compatriots. Where to? he asked. We need to get to Buckhead, Peachtree Villas. It's a condo tower. We need to pick up a message, Rhodes said. Twenty minutes later, they were parked in the garage, the same one Eamon had hidden in prior. You know where it is, right? Rhodes asked again. It's under the bedroom dresser, he repeated. Both of his agents nodded, got out of the car, and made their way to the apartment Beth and Serena had been living in. Rhodes eyeballed them as they got into the elevator, looking like two surf bums that were visiting their parents to hit them up for rent money. Fifteen minutes later, they were back in the car, and Rhodes was staring intently at the small, creased slip of paper, slowly deciphering it. God damn, he whispered to himself. Sir, the driver asked. After you drop me at the airport, I need both of you to go to New York. Now. I'll have instructions for you when you land. The CEO of a major corporation is about to have a life-changing experience, Rhodes said. 
What the hell are we doing here? Jack asked Luke as their driver pulled into a long driveway that dead-ended in front of a huge Bermuda-styled mansion. Thought we were going to the resort. Dude, this is a lot nicer than a resort, Luke said, smiling. Even better, because it's free. Nothing is free, Jack replied flatly, knowing his brother's penchant for spending money. Let's just say that my unique talents around Game of Chance are occasionally helpful, Luke said. Can you put a finer point on that, Jack asked, even more skeptical. I played cards here a few months ago. High stakes with the owner and a few of his friends that... Luke switched into a British accent. Hmm, let me try to say this without being uncouth. Dear brother, I suggest they were in league together, attempting to cheat yours truly. Luke cut the fake accent. Needless to say, I fucked him up. I made it hurt. I took their money, and when they ran low, I suggested loaning the house to me if I won. Of course I won, and as a result, kicked the cocksucker out of his own digs. I got the run of the place for 18 months. That's why I've been trying to get you here. More importantly, I want to fuck some of his shit up. We need to party, Luke said. Jack just shook his head dropped his bags at the front door and looked around the grounds. From the large, ornate front stoop, he had views of the golf course, spectacular foliage along with a sea of orchids that would take an army of gardeners to maintain. Holy shit, Jack whispered. Bosco was impressed as well and pissed in the flower bed. Dude, this is nothing. Wait till you see the back. You're going to freak, Luke said like an excited schoolboy. They were met at the door by a thin, older white man, wearing a casual but nice white linen suit. He introduced himself as the caretaker and took their bags to their room while they enjoyed coconut water by the pool. A spectacular view of the light blue Caribbean was framed by a mass of coconut trees near the beach. It was truly amazing. Jack nodded at Luke while relaxing in his lounger and tipped his glass. Well done, brother. Jack said. Bosco was enjoying himself as well. At nearly 11 years old, he still had the energy of a puppy. Swimming a few laps in the pool and chasing a tennis ball, boys would throw occasionally. There was a bit of a stir when Bosco took a massive dump on the ninth green. A couple of pissed-off golfers made an attempt to shoo him away with a few golf balls. However, that didn't work out so well for them. After a couple of balls landed a little too close, Luke flashed Bosco a picture that seemed to resonate with him, inspiring the dog to tear after the golfers like he was rabid. The golfers jumped in their cart and hauled ass, with Bosco finally giving up the chase near the 14th hole. He came plodding back, tired and happy. Dinner was fabulous. The cook created a masterpiece of lamb medallions, sweet potato puree, and asparagus. They usually didn't drink wine, but opened a bottle anyway and slugged it down like Neanderthals, knowing that it was the most expensive bottle in the cellar. Luke took a selfie with a wine bottle pressed against his face and sent it to the owner, who immediately replied with a selfie giving Luke the finger. After dinner, Luke made an abrupt proclamation. I've got a plan, he said, wiping the key lime pie off the side of his face. This ought to be interesting, Jack replied suspiciously. They switched to silent mode, 
using their psychic abilities to avoid being overheard by the staff. We need to visit the casino, Luke continued. Oh, I figured as much. Look, I came here for rest and relaxation. I don't gamble, and I'm really not into watching you gamble either. It's just no fun, Jack replied. I wasn't thinking I'd gamble with you as much as I'd gamble through you, Luke grinned. Jack rolled his eyes and shook his head. No fucking way. Stop, Luke said. Just hear me out, big brother. We're only here for one night, and let's be honest. Being holed up in Miami with the parents over the last few months hasn't actually made us any money. As you say, we've got a serious burn rate. We haven't taken on any new jobs, you haven't been investing, and I haven't been doing my thing either. We're hemorrhaging cash. We could kill two birds with one stone by winning a little money to catch us up and put our skills to the test and see if we can take it up a notch, Luke said. Jack looked at his brother skeptically. He knew he was mostly full of shit, but he admired the fact that Luke was speaking to his concerns instead of just trying to overpower him with his massive personality. Luke was right. They hadn't brought any money in since the Greenleaf fiasco, and they still had the houses, office, and the associated bullshit expenses to pay, as well as payroll for Quan and Eamon. Cash in the bank was low, but they did have investments. But when you don't grow up wealthy, there's always the nagging fear permanently stapled in the back of your mind. Something could happen, and it could all be taken away in an instant. The only sure things they had now were heads crammed full of obscure facts and unique abilities that allowed him and Luke to make money. The thought of recharging their bank accounts proved too enticing for Jack to turn down. Fine, Jack finally relented. What do you have in mind? I'll tell you. Better yet, I'll show you, Luke replied, quickly running up to his bedroom. He came down a few minutes later with what looked to be some sort of vest in neon yellow. What the hell is that? Jack asked. Luke unfolded it to show the words printed on the side. It simply said, service dog. Jack couldn't help but smile. There's really no bottom to how low you'll stoop, is there? Nope, Luke grinned. This is going to be so much fucking fun, he said, getting up from the table and shaking his brother by the shoulders. At 9 p.m., they pulled in front of the Atlantis Casino. Luke put the vest on Bosco and attached a leash. He put a picture into the dog's mind, him following Jack around, standing close by his side at a poker table. He could tell that Bosco understood when he wagged his tail and licked him. You ready to do this, Jack asked? Yeah, I am. However, there's just one little thing I may have forgotten to mention, Luke said as they got out of the large SUV the caretaker had driven them in. I can't go in there, Luke said. What are you talking about? Of course you're going in there with me, Jack shot back. I'm not really on good terms with the casino manager. He was one of the guys at the poker game involving the house that we're staying in. He didn't do so well either. He said something like, you better not ever show your fucking face around my casino or something like that. He was a little upset at the time, but I didn't get the feeling he forgets things easily, Luke said, shrugging his shoulders. 
Screw it. I'm going home, Jack shot back. We shouldn't even be here with Serena and Beth being spotted anyway. Luke grabbed him by the arm and reminded him of the money situation and tried to calm him down. Seriously, you got this. We'll tell Rhodes about Serena and Beth. No worries. He'll take care of it. Luke patted down his brother's lapels. Here, he said, handing Jack a small laminated card. What is this? Jack asked. Bosco's registration is a service dog, Luke said. Dude, it's obvious I'm not blind. What the hell is he supposed to be doing for me? Post-traumatic stress, Luke said matter-of-factly. You gotta be kidding me, Jack shot back. No, I'm serious. Post-traumatic stress is an actual thing, Luke said with a big stupid grin. I know PTSD is a thing, dumbass, but how is a dog supposed to help me with that? No fucking clue, Luke said, putting the card in Jack's shirt pocket. All I know is it's one of the approved use cases for having a dog in the casino. This sucks, Jack sighed. What am I supposed to do? Look, first, just go grab some chips at the window. I'm thinking a hundred thousand should do it, Luke said. Jack interrupted. A hundred thousand? Jeez, man, I thought the idea was not to burn through any more money. Relax, you have to show you're serious, Luke said. You just can't walk into the high stakes room with a dog and a couple hundred bucks. They gotta smell blood in the water. Also, you're gonna have to lose a little too. Jack shook his head in disbelief. Don't worry, Luke said. Lose a little, then we'll win a lot. It'll be a beautiful thing, I promise. I'm gonna go over to the restaurant bar, watch a couple of games and toss back a few club sodas. I'll be right there with you. It'll be great, I promise, Luke said, confident as always. When Luke said, I promise, more than once in the same sitting, it normally meant trouble. However, Jack's world had been turned upside down over the last several months, and though he couldn't really explain it and wasn't really ready to admit it to himself, he was up for a walk on the wild side. The session with Shiv had done more than just help him and Luke control their connection. The anxiety that had been his companion for 15 years had also begun to subside. So much so that he hadn't even thought about weed all day. This would be good. Anything to shake up things a bit and get the last few months off his frontal lobe couldn't hurt. It's the room on the right, Luke said through his psychic connection. On the second floor after you get off the elevator. Luke took a seat at one of the resort's bars, the one with TVs everywhere and every kind of sport imaginable being displayed. He could occasionally hear the groans or cheers of some of the patrons who no doubt had money riding on the outcome of the games. He settled in and connected with Bosco, feeling the sudden jolt of being wired into his dog and seeing the familiar split screen in his field of vision. With his right eye, he could see what Bosco saw, with his left eye, he saw his own surroundings. He quickly adjusted, knowing he'd need to sit still for a while. Trying to do much while attached to Bosco's senses was hard and made him nauseous. Five minutes later, Luke had placed an order for a club soda, focused more on Bosco's senses, and started talking to Jack. How much money's on the table? Luke quickly asked. Connected to Bosco, he saw Jack had taken a seat. Jack looked around the table. There were six other players, all dressed in formal attire. 
He was dressed more casually in khaki linen pants, light blue shirt, and navy jacket. He saw the room managers morph from disdain at seeing the way he was dressed to approval upon seeing the stack of chips he was holding in his hand and introduced Jack quickly to the rest of the table. Of the other players, one was Chinese, two were Japanese, an NBA player whose name escaped him, and two Europeans who had the look and smell of bankers playing with someone else's money. Probably embezzled, he thought. They were all serious players, or at least they looked apart, each with a stack of chips larger than his. I'm staring at at least three quarters of a million in chips at this table. Jack quickly shot a thought to Luke. That'll work. Let the games begin, Luke said. Great. Now tell me what to do, Jack said. There's nothing to tell you just yet. The first thing to do is just lose, Luke replied. What the hell? Jack asked wearily. Don't worry, you won't lose long. We just need to get a little blood in the water for the sharks. Just lose a little, Luke said. How do I do that? Jack asked. Dude, I've seen you play. You're for shit. Just do what you would normally do, and believe me, you'll be losing before you know it. Just do yourself a favor and don't lose any more than 5000 a hand. Bosco and I are just going to soak up the ambiance of the table for a while and see who's actually good at this shit, Luke replied. Much to Luke's dismay, Jack actually won a few hands, but then started losing predictably. Luke was a human bullshit detector, taking in every subtle nuance of a player's actions, searching and finding the most skillfully hidden tell of each player. Normally, within 30 minutes, he would have sized up every player and would have systematically begun to drain their bank accounts quicker than a Wall Street lawyer. However, being hardwired into Bosco cut the learning curve down to a few minutes as he used the dog's heightened sense of hearing and smell to his advantage. He could instantly tell the Europeans were imposters. Their heart rates fluttered up and down with the quality of each hand. They were just waiting to lose their money. The NBA player was better and had no visible tell, but would sweat slightly when he thought he had a winning hand. The Chinese guy was good, but predictable, and the only serious player was the older of the Japanese men. He would have been a hard nut to crack if not for Bosco. The game started slowly and drug on. Luke would occasionally cut in on Jack and bullshit with him. However, Jack was taking this seriously and didn't want his help in losing. Luke could tell he was trying to win, trying to figure it out on the fly. Thirty minutes later, Luke was bored shit and disconnected from Bosco. He looked up to see the waitress delivering him a bourbon neat. I'm sorry, I didn't order that, Luke said. It's from the lady at the bar, the waitress said, pointing to a stunning brunette at the end of the bar practically hidden from view, her deeply tanned skin blending into the wood paneling behind her. Luke smiled and waved her over. She was a beautiful German girl in her mid-twenties with iridescent green eyes and a bubbly personality. It didn't take long for him to sort through his mental file cabinet and dust off the linguistic skills Quan had poured into his head. Jack had a thing for math and remembering details. Luke, on the other hand, could not only read people, but had a much better command of his language skills. Fluent in at least 13 different languages with a strong sense of regional colloquialisms. 
When he began to speak to her in her native tongue, it didn't take any enhanced body reading skills to see that she was putty in his hand and she would have a hard time saying no to anything he suggested. She placed her hands on his thigh and fluttered her eyes at him. He tried to concentrate on the fact that he was there for a reason, not just a piece of ass. He barged in on Jack just one more time to see where he was. Jack let him know that he had everything under control. Luke looked at his watch. It had been 45 minutes. He looked back at his new girlfriend and figured, eh, what the hell, what's another 30 minutes? Luke pondered the rationale of a casino having a private family bathroom off the casino floor. What kind of parents would bring their kids to a casino in the first place, he asked himself, as he grabbed onto the infant changing table, his pants down around his ankles, and his new best friend's skirt hiked up around her armpits. It had been a month since he had last had sex, and depending on how she viewed things, she was either the beneficiary of his abstinence or was starting to feel like a hooker at a Shriners convention. He figured it must be the former as she screamed and yelled in her native tongue, like she was actually enjoying it, sweat beginning to stain his shirt. God, I love the Bahamas, he thought. He was beginning to move past the sexual salad course into the main entree and dessert round when Jack suddenly barged in on him, freaking out. I'm down to ten grand, Jack screamed in Luke's head. What the fuck was all Luke could manage? his German friend pulling his hair, her tongue halfway down his throat. I'm in deep shit, man, Jack said. Whatever it is you need to do, you've got to do it now. This Japanese son of a bitch is picking my pocket. Luke was starting to freak too, however, his sense of panic hadn't made it down to his crotch. His cock was on autopilot and in no rush to call it a night. He quickly tried to connect with Bosco, However, the picture he sent the dog wasn't what he wanted. With his hearing wired into the dogs, he heard a lady scream and Jack yelling into his skull. Bosco's humping the waitress. Make him stop, goddammit, Jack yelled into Luke's head. Luke quickly pulled out of his lady friend, a dumb look on his face. He was dazed and confused, just seconds away from a world-class climax. He stood there with an erection that could cut diamonds, pants still around his ankles, searching for something to say. What's wrong, she asked, confused and out of breath, sweaty hair hanging in her face. He searched for something to say that would make sense. Instead, he blurted out, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I just remember I'm married. The German girl wadded up her fist and hit him, sending him backwards into the wall. Why the hell did I say that, he muttered to himself as he sat up on the floor for a moment, trying to regain his composure. His dick was still pointing north and his eyes stung. He heard the door slam behind the German girl as she left the bathroom. What the fuck happened to slapping? He rubbed his eye where she had punched him with a truly impressive right hook. He pulled up his pants and walked to the mirror. Jack, what's going on, he asked. I'm down to my last three grand, you asshole. That's what's going on, Jack shot back. Luke quickly locked the bathroom door so he wouldn't be disturbed and reconnected with Bosco. He was right. The Japanese guy was a player. He cut through the whole table like a samurai swinging a big fucking sword. He had lulled everyone into a false sense of security and then began to do what he had come to do, 
leave with all the money. He was a player, no doubt. They were lucky Bosco hadn't been tossed for dry-humping the waitress's leg. Fortunately, no drinks had been spilled, and Bosco called off his quest almost as soon as it started, Jack getting nothing more than a stern warning from the room manager. It took two hands of five-card stud for Luke to dial into what the man was doing. Within 30 minutes, Jack had 50000 back. Luke situated himself on the toilet and began to work the room in earnest, using Bosco's senses to determine who was for real and who was bluffing. After an hour, he could see the stack of chips in front of Jack had swelled to an impressive amount. We got to get out of here, Luke said to Jack. No way, this is awesome. We can't leave now, Jack replied. If you win any more, you're going to end up getting the shit kicked out of you. The NBA player is about to fucking crack. And if he doesn't do you in, the Japanese fucker is going to gut you, Luke said. Jack wasn't listening and purposely ignored him. Luke got up from the toilet and did his best to straighten his hair and tidy up. Oh, yeah? This will teach you to ignore me, Luke thought as he shot Bosco a picture inspired by his encounter with the German girl. He heard the commotion loud and clear with Bosco's hearing as he cut the connection and walked out of the bathroom. Twenty minutes later, he met Jack in the parking lot and climbed into the SUV. Couldn't help yourself, could you? Jack cut his eyes at his brother, as if speaking to a third grader. I told you we needed to leave, Luke replied, trying to stifle a smile. I'm in the same boat you are now. I'm not allowed back in there. Well, at least not with the dog, Jack said. So, he did a number on them, huh? Luke grinning, referring to Bosco, who sat happily between them, tongue out and panting. Oh, it's freaking mayhem. I would have never imagined one horny dog could do all that, Jack said, staring at Bosco, who was still panting but otherwise thrilled with his performance. He jumped on the waitress's leg like a frat boy on a drunk sorority girl. Drinks flew everywhere. The manager came over and Boss started on him, too. Everybody was out of their chairs. The two dudes from Brussels were squealing and dabbing at their suits trying to get out of the way, while the NBA player was beating the shit out of the four-foot Chinaman who supposedly snuck a few chips out of the guy's pile. Security had to tackle the NBA guy and ushered everyone out, Jack said, laughing. It was the funniest shit I had ever seen. Luke couldn't help himself. He was hysterical, too. After a few minutes, their side stopped hurting, and he finally asked, So, how'd we do? Jack slipped the cashier's check out of his pocket and handed it to Luke. Luke stared at it for a few seconds, then smiled at his brother. He was telepathic, so the driver wouldn't hear. 428000 bucks. Luke raised his eyebrows and smiled. Not bad, big brother. Not bad. Sleep came easy for Jack and Luke. Both stretched down in king-sized beds at opposite ends of the house. Bosco curled up on the end of Luke's bed. Within two hours of sleep, the fleeting victory of taking Jack's mind off of things had vanished as he was once again pulled into Jack's dream, running down a catwalk in Greenleaf's grow facility, desperately searching for Magnus Johnson and the trigger for the explosives. This was a different dream, though, something Jack hadn't dreamed before. As Luke sat, parked in his brother's head, inside his dream, he heard the sound of Serena Green walking down the corridor with two guards 
and the unmistakable look she had shot Jack while making eye contact. The dream fast-forwarded suddenly as he saw Serena Green hanging from the side of a helicopter, making her exit from Greenleaf after tossing a wounded Beth into the chopper. Luke saw Serena raise her gun, pointed at Bosco as he ran toward them, only to raise it up and purposely miss. Mercifully, the dream faded and Jack fell into a deep sleep, leaving Luke to question everything he thought he had known about that night.